All right, this is Backyard Conversations. I'm not here with Mr. Davis today, but I have a special brother with me. You want to treat yourself? Oh, you know what? I got you. His name is Dapo Laoba, a.k.a. The Pencil Pusher. All right, this is my brother from day one, and uh, we've done a couple of projects together in the past, you know, from video podcasts, like YouTube content. And now we get a chance to sit together in this wonderful city called Lagos and, and do an episode. How you doing, man? I'm good. Uh, it's been a while. Who's counting? Right. <laughs> it's been a minute. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's get into it. Let's get right into it then. So the first thing on my mind was one of the big headlines in the past week about you know Facebook, aka Meta. I feel like they changed their name, but they're forever going to be known as Facebook. Everyone is still going to refer to them as Facebook for a while. For a while. Even their stock ticker, they changed it to Meta. I don't think you can find FB if you search. Oh, okay. So they changed it to I've Meta. I've still seen some places online where they'll write Meta, but then they'll put in bracket the dollar sign FB. FB. That's super interesting. But I don't think Zuckerberg cares about whether they're called Meta or FB in this past week because he's furious. After um, whatever happened with them in the stock market, losing what twenty six percent of their market share <laughs> in, the, in a single day. So um, my opinion is that that is a that was like an overreaction in the market. Um, I think markets are not very rational. So after the earnings call, you know they announced that yes, this is the first time they're having declining um, new either new or active users. Yeah. Um, and. Probably, um, maybe that would also affect their declining revenue or profit or whatever. Um, and then, of course, people now go to the markets and dump the stock. Right. But looking at what Facebook is now, how big they are, and what they've built, and all the products they have, and all our attachments to those products, how much we still use WhatsApp, how much we still use Instagram, even though the main big blue app is, seems to be in decline. Um, I don't. I think they own Oculus as well. Um, the, they're going to be around for, for 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 a while. They're still going to be around for a while. So anyone who's dumping the stock now, maybe maybe something happens to Facebook somewhere five, ten years down the line. Um, if someone is dumping the stock now, then I'm wondering what they're running away from. You know, hmm. are they running away from that? Maybe um, risk of them you know, being non-profitable five, ten years from now, or are they running away from it just in the immediate, you know, it seems like a very short-term, you know, overreaction or knee-jerk reaction to that earnings call. Um, so that, that's what I think of that. I don't, I don't think, um, despite all the things about, you know, them getting drawn to Congress every once in a while and all that, they're, they're still pretty solid. We, we can't help it. Even, even the reservations we have against uh, Facebook and maybe their privacy concerns and all yeah. that, um, they, they pretty much have the foothold. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I agree on the one hand with everything you say about how they keep getting in trouble with the Senate. It's like being called to the principal's office every week. <laughs> and so for them, that's like their normal behavior, right? Well, one thing I noticed was this came after, obviously, uh, the earnings call you talked about when you talked about slow growth yeah, or declining growth, if, you know, if you want to get really, really precise about it. Um, they also blamed, you know, the privacy policies in iOS 14, uh, uh, talking about how it limits ad targeting and uh, stream, obviously narrowing the funnel in terms of how much money they can make 
uh, from selling advertisements. And I read a quote somewhere, I forget who it was, that if your business is at the brink of quote-unquote collapse, which is being dramatic, right? Uh, because people are enjoying their privacy, then maybe you're in the wrong business in the first place. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> and, so, and so it's it's something worth noting that even though Facebook is this juggernaut, right, with this amazing, amazing uh, list of companies, you know, in WhatsApp, in Instagram, which they've been trying so hard to monetize for creators, mm-hmm. and and uh, with Facebook itself, the big juggernaut, and Facebook Messenger, which is one of the top two. WhatsApp, you know, second uh, messaging apps in the world. The top two are owned by the same company. company. So there's a huge overreaction, like you said. It's like, well, why would you freak out knowing that these guys are poised for like the next 10, 15 years with the way they are going? Like, it's going to be very difficult to knock Facebook off the perch. One thing I would say, though, is this whole meta, meta thing of trying to change the image of the company and trying to trying to steal the catchphrase meta and get ahead of everybody else <laughs> help them miss the ball in terms of Instagram versus TikTok maybe they didn't miss it they just didn't want to talk about it in their earnings call right maybe they're just yeah. so ashamed because what TikTok is doing in ramping up user growth monetizing for creators yeah. and keeping people on the platform because users end up spending more time now on TikTok than they do on Instagram oh, thanks wow. to infinite scrolling, right? Because yeah, all okay. the content is right there in front of you. Hmm. You don't have to navigate to another tab like you have to do on Instagram for like your posts, your stories, your reels. And because, so that's because TikTok is one content type. Right. Right? It's the, whether it's dancing or memeing or, you know, uh, lip syncing videos that yeah. you're doing layered on top of music, right? or no music maybe you know a voice note or something yeah. that's like the one content type yeah instagram is a bunch of content types right you've got your static photos you've got your ig videos you've got your reels yeah you've got things that are made like for shops you've got things that are made for ads yeah. so it's like a hodgepodge of different content types it is. um and so imagine taking the reels feature alone and then having to sprinkle it across all those different content types of course they're going to get less engagement as compared to a tiktok where people are going there for the particular yes. content type that it shows um but so far i think reels uh, oh, we even forgot to mention stories so there's also stories there's also in there stories as well so, so i mean someone which they stole from snapchat right? exactly <laughs> so uh it's, it's it makes sense that tiktok will be doing you know um a bit better than than reels is but i think the reels thing of course based on the fact that they already had active users on instagram them putting it in was from their own point of view a smart um, decision yeah uh but i mean facebook is going to be around people dumping the stock is uh, you know i guess that's how you know markets markets run um people get scared and people don't want to see red in their portfolio so, speaking of juggernauts and big companies that are going to be here for a long time, mm-hmm. Apple's earning calls, earnings calls wasn't too long ago either. It was, I think, a couple of weeks ago now. Okay. And in the midst of this crazy pandemic we're still stuck in, it was surprisingly, I don't know if it's surprisingly, but it was one of their best quarters. And they sold a ton of devices, and it makes you wonder, where's this money coming from? Who's buying all this stuff? And to add a cherry on top, they announced recently that they're going to be partnering with Stripe um, to bring contactless, you know, 
tap to pay on the iPhone, which essentially turns the iPhone into a POS terminal. So, um, Apple, <laughs> Apple is not, Apple is not like we've said, like they're not going anywhere. Nothing's happening to Apple. The funny thing about this uh, new um, tap to pay thing, it seems like I have seen them announce it on like two or three different occasions, mm. right? Um, and I don't know what the difference between this particular implementation is and um, the implementation they probably announced before. I think this might be the first time where it's like device to device with no intermediary. But now you mentioned that maybe Stripe is facilitating it, so maybe that's still some sort of um, intermediary, but it's very um, non-pronounced. So people who are doing it don't even know that it's a Stripe integration. They will just probably blend it right into the wallet app or something, um, which, which is good, but then puts a dent in the business model of Square. It really does. Yeah. It? Which, I mean, Square's whole founding was the whole idea of using your phone as a POS. Right. And um, even some of the POSs that you see around, they're literally phones, like Android phones, with a POS built around them. Yeah, or even uh, iPads, yeah. With the yeah. Casing, yeah. So uh, Apple now making that a native thing. And, and Apple has had that thing of, like, cannibalizing features, right? Yeah. So, or not, well, yeah. So a, pr- a product exists mm-hmm. as a discrete thing. And then they just come make it a feature and then it basically just kills. But Square has other things going for it, like you know, the cash app and other things. So yeah. um, we'll see how that goes. That's, it's interesting that they're doing this. I, I wonder how um, how much people would use this as compared to previous announcements of you know contactless payments that they've yeah. made before. Yeah, I feel like obviously entrepreneurs are the ones who are gonna hop on this. Right, and yeah, most likely small businesses. Small businesses. Yeah. I don't see big box retail stores like getting into it like right off the bat because are they going to use the employees' phone? Or are they going to have to like commission yeah. new enterprise type phones for the employees? And this is the United States only for now, right? And so it's it always it starts US only. exactly before it trickles down to the rest of the world. And but you know the thing about people buying new devices is like there's that I think there's that momentum of people who. As they get more affluent, they move into the Apple ecosystem. As they get more affluent, if they are already in the Apple ecosystem, they they would want to upgrade to higher phones and whatnot. Then maybe like the lower tier phones and second hand market and all that. So they'll probably just be having a steady increase of, you know, newly registered devices mm-hmm. under them for the foreseeable future. So people true. will continue. People will continue. It will, it will probably not be as rapidly increasing as Android, being yeah. that it comes in at a lower price point. It's yeah. more available and all that. But and there are more OEMs. But Apple, Apple will continue having that growth. I, I expect the um, device growth to flatten a bit over time. Mm-hmm. But um, it will it will continue to grow. It will continue to grow. What I what I find peculiar about this implementation is how. On the one hand, the iPhone has always been able to pay wirelessly to tap, right? Mm-hmm. So you have your cards in your wallet, you tap at a pay terminal, it works. Mm-hmm. And now they've been able to successfully reverse this process where, you know, now the device itself is a POS. Oh, and, and, okay, okay. So and that's the main difference. It's the main difference. So it's yeah. a two-way street now. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, here's another two-way street everybody's been waiting on with Apple 
in that we know this iPhone 12 devices and 12 Pro 13 whatever yeah. and they have the MagSafe wireless charging on the back but they don't have reverse wireless charging unless you get the Apple brick which is the Apple MagSafe battery so that's the only device that charges externally with help of the iPhone when it's plugged into power does that make sense yeah but it's not even really reverse it's not really reverse, reverse. it's like conduct conduction so what, what happens is you plug your iphone in you put the MagSafe battery on top and then the charge going into your iphone also goes into the MagSafe battery right 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 um of course samsung has had reverse charging for a while where you put your samsung phone on the table you put your samsung buds on top of it and then the phone charges the buds um it'd be nice to charge airports airports that right? way right uh i think it's something apple would do eventually when they can significantly increase the battery life of the iphone yeah um and like apple does with most things they usually take their time yeah you know before the execution has to be flawless right yeah they don't want they don't want another like antenna gate or (laughs) some other gate and and i think what you said about how how apple sees the iphone I, i feel like consumers should try and see it the same way like it's it's not it's more than a phone it's not just something you put in your pocket and you text and call with to them it's a mesh of a network of devices around the world that they're going to use to increase their user base think about how air tags work you don't even have to have an air tag for your phone to be able to help someone else find theirs because the iphones are talking to each other yes. in proximity yes. right so think about the, the implication of this in like vr and ar in the future when Apple is going to be probably using these devices to, to communicate with each other, to create stronger bandwidth, stronger network for people without even your, I want to say without your consent, so it doesn't sound illegal, but <laughs> without you having to worry is a better way to put it, okay. if you're being diplomatic, right? And so once we start seeing this device as just like little, little pieces in Apple's ginormous Lego, yeah. they, they have some kind of ultimate peak they're heading towards using services and accessories, then you realize that this is a long game. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, the cycle that usually happens is there's stuff that the company wants to achieve or that dreams of achieving. Yeah. And then there's stuff that, like, you see the market or user demands or mm-hmm. user needs tending towards. And so companies usually, you know, bounce back and forth between those things that they want to do and things that, you know, their users need and, and that users are asking for. Um, and once you have a sufficiently large number of um, interconnected devices, it could be it could be anything. Mm. It could be fridges, it could be TVs, it could be whatever. You know, it, it could be a smart water bottle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, once you have a sufficient number, then you start to aggregate and say, okay, what can I do with this large number of? Yeah. And um, once I put all these, you know, different nodes as it were together, yeah. then there's something interesting I should be able to do with it. And so that's what. Apple's going to do it, what Samsung's going to do it, what Google's going to do it, what yeah. Huawei's going to do it, what anyone with a large number of devices in mm-hmm. multiple hands that are all connected to the internet is going to do. They're going to try and see what they can do with you know, that collection of data. Um, and of course, like users don't just see their, uh, Apple, their uh, iPhones as phones or anyone with a smartphone. For many people, it's the hub of their digital life. Yeah. So, I mean, before, the personal computer was the hub of a digital life, yeah. but a smartphone is like so much more mobile, and a smartphone of today is so much more capable of than the laptop of yesteryear when, the, when those laptops were the hub of people's digital lives. So it only makes sense. 
I agree, and and I think we should bring this back home a little bit, and let's talk about what's been happening in terms of, um, you know, produce and production and exportation. In that, uh, Ghana have always been known for being a major player in the exportation of cocoa, right? And recently, there's been headlines coming out, flying all over the place, talking about how Ghana should start shaking in their boots because China is gonna like steal everything, like just run this show. Because Ghana, I mean China, I should say, has figured out how to automate this process from harvesting to cleaning to production, and they are going to be shipping out a significant amount of tonnage compared to what Ghana has been able to do before. And so, if they can churn out more cocoa faster in a shorter amount of time, why would anybody want to go to Ghana and wait much longer for a smaller amount? Of course, I mean. So, <clears throat> there isn't any economic activity in the world today where you shouldn't give consideration to a what if China or what of what of China situation. <laughs> there, there's going to be a what if China, right? Um, you can like the comparison is just unless China is not interested in that market. If they get in, the chances that they're going to outcompete you is large so if you think about all the logistics difficulties that Ghana is a relatively small nation they have a smaller population their production capacity is much smaller like if China just gets in they already know how to build the machines they know how to do farming at large scale like if they enter the market they're going to just outrun or run over anyone that they meet there so there has to be something um, like if we are going to do something, like we've been doing something, we need to like level. Like you need to step your game up. I need to create some sort of um, moat or some way of pro- not protecting, but some way of ensuring you know some steady growth and making sure that okay, even if a large player like China comes, um, you wouldn't be too adversely impacted mm-hmm. in, on the downside. Or you can at least um, partner with them, or you know, do some basically give yourself some some degree of leverage, yeah. and not just be like More a sitting duck. Chance. Exactly, you know, and not just be a sitting duck. Um, and it seems like that's what we've been doing so far. Is just oh, oh, we've been producing cocoa, and you know, with our bare hands, let's just continue. And then China wakes up one day and says we're doing cocoa, and in twenty four hours they are doing it better than you are. Ten times the scale. Or like, let's <laughs> let's marry more wives, <laughs> so we have more more children to, to work the farm, oh, okay. see if they can harvest more cocoa okay, faster. So while while each <laughs> child is incubating for nine months, China has built how many thousand machines? You have to no do idea. It. You have no idea. No, no, no. You know, there's numbers coming out about how they've planted two billion trees over the past six years. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I would always proceed with caution, especially with news coming out of China, because the the news is, is heavily regulated uh, by the government, and we cannot dismiss the fact that we can't really verify this information. True. So if even if they want to just like let out all this stuff to just strike fear in the hearts of competition, and just give them something to worry about, I think either way they've been successful. So here's the thing with that um, notion, right? Is that first of all, if it's very very possible, right, for it to be true as yeah. is. Yeah that you know China has woken up and started producing cocoa and they are doing it at a much larger scale. Secondly is that if they were just releasing this information to scare people, then it means that whoever is 
they're giving that person at least some opportunity or time to maybe um, um, get themselves together or, or do something, you know, preemptively as it were. So either way, and even if they did, I don't know what they could do in enough time mm-hmm. that would, um, you know, set them up against a juggernaut like like China. Mm. So either way, uh, even if, if it's if it's just propaganda or if it's actually true, I I don't see what the upside is for us or for Ghana as it were. Interesting. <laughs> it sounds defeatist, but I mean we have to be real. Oh yeah, well, I think we always have to. Uh, balance pragmatism with optimism and and in this case if even if Ghana was, we're gonna like uh, do a Thanos finger snap and try and hit the reset button it would take forever for them to to be able to create the opportunities for themselves using the latest technology even if everyone went back to doing it with their bare hands yeah China's landmass and population alone yeah. you know <laughs> is and this is where like the in, in inter Africa trade thing would have been very helpful because yeah. I mean you can cooperate you can collaborate with other countries who are also producing cocoa and say okay let's at least scale you know this thing up together okay <laughs> all right let's move to even more controversy so there's been a lot in the news lately about Spotify, Joe Rogan, <laughs> anti-vax, this or that, miscommunicating. I haven't followed the news as closely as probably you have, but I know it's, it's been mostly on the front page of a lot of tech blogs because obviously, you know, Spotify is one of the uh, significant tech companies. Yeah. And it makes me wonder why there's so much backlash against the the corporation that used to be you know everyone's beloved streaming service. So um, me, I'm I'm I don't like calls for censorship um, because it's a like it's a slippery slope, right? You say this thing is bad, so you censor it. Then what happens? Someone else says that thing is bad, then they censor it, and then before you know it, we start censoring everything and then what's left um so if something if something if you think something is bad come up with something that's better mm. right uh there's a reason i don't know what that reason is but there's a reason that the rogan podcast is as popular as it is mm-hmm. in fact many people often contrast it with or oh, his podcast versus mainstream but when you look at how large and the fact that we're even talking about it he's pretty much mainstream as it gets now um and so yes them i think spotify said they were going to do like a content warning in front of episodes that were a bit controversial which i think is great in fact i think it's something they should have done a while ago because if you think about all the other content we consume um movies tv shows they always have that content warning you know uh even video games will have the esrp music they'll put the explicit content parental advisory so it's fine for them to be for that to be but for People to say, oh, okay, shut it down or cancel it or kick him out. Yeah. Um, I think is I think it's an overreaction. It's it's childish in my own opinion. Yeah. Um, and the, the other thing is that he or uh, his podcast has leverage, right? He has millions of people listening to him every day, and he does like a four-hour stretch of content. Like, think about the last time you saw something apart from movies 
or maybe people binge watching TV shows that attract people's attention. Mm-hmm. And then he goes deep on some of these topics, you know, that any other uh, media platform would do. So calling for him to be censored is not if he, if Spotify decides to wake up and kick him out, he'll just take all that audience to wherever. Yeah. And it brings me to the stuff we were talking about the other day where me I even like when people go to open protocols. You want to do your podcast, put it on RSS. It's an open protocol. There's nobody telling you what to do. Talk you, to the masses. So, yeah, you know, nobody telling you, you know, what to do. Um and uh speaking of, you know, Neil Young then said he's pulling his stuff, there was all that. And I was like, okay, what's the fraction of Spotify users or the Venn diagram of Spotify users and Neil Young fans or Neil Young listeners, right? And then if you now look at that fraction, you're like, how many people, if all those people say they are not coming to Spotify again, like the only thing they li- listened to on Spotify was Neil Young and, then, you know, all people say they are not listening, to, they're not going to Spotify again. What happens to Spotify? Do they really feel that dense? Mm. I doubt they'll feel anything. Then a few days later, I see that, you know, the Neil Young guy has launched his own app and it looks and it just it made me laugh because I'm like okay now your incentives are clear you know like it wasn't really that you cared about COVID or what maybe he did I mean we can't project our yeah. impression but at least him launched his own app basically just shows that incentives musicians have been complaining that oh they want more revenue from yeah. their streams and whatnot so he, him launching his own app and taking his content off a major platform like Spotify would probably put more pocket, more money in his pocket mm-hmm. if all his fans leave Spotify. And how do you get something as drastic as all your fans leaving Spotify? You hop on a contentious, you know, topic. So um, they'll be fine. Spotify will be fine. Mm-hmm. Rogan will be fine. Yeah. Young will be fine. Yeah. Everyone else will be fine. Everyone will be all right. <laughs> Everybody will be all right. I mean, the fact that we're talking about them means they're probably doing good anyway. Anyway, right? So, um, <laughs> with with New Young and being opportunistic and moving his library to a private app, good luck to him. If he's with a label, the label will still come for that piece of the pie, right? Right. If he is the label, well, congratulations. He has hammered yet again. Yeah, um, he has hammered. If, if every single person who listens to his music... Yeah decides to listen to the so, app and yeah, pay exactly and actually pay because that's one of the things that taylor do, swift did recently by re-recording an entire album that she'd already yeah. done before you know just so she could have more of the ownership uh to to the record and and what i would say though about people always calling for someone to get kicked out when they do something wrong is uh, i've always li- likened cancel culture to like a a lynching mob but but with more cowardice <laughs> you know, it's like you just come out there. You've just seen or heard one side of a story, and the next thing you know, you're done. You're like everybody, like shut, shut it all down. Like this so should never happen. Need, people need to get, um, like I said, it's childish, right? Yeah. Like if you look at how a toddler throws a tantrum, the toddler says they want candy. You say no. They don't care your reason for telling them no. They just want to like yeah burn everything down. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> burn it all. Yeah, like they, 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 you know, so. Um, people grown up adults saying walking through society need to know that everything is not going to go your way you're not going to see all the content that you agree with all the time people, people need to get comfortable with seeing hearing things that they don't I've listened to Rogan's podcast and I've seen him say things where I think hey he's being a jerk yeah. here or I've seen him say things that hmm, this opinion I don't quite agree with but nothing that he said even like things that like i i'm like completely opposed to 
you know mm-hmm. but nothing that he's i because of that me opposing something that he says or thinks or maybe not liking one of the guests he's brought on or whatever doesn't mean that i'll say oh okay you know what just shut the whole thing down right like that doesn't make sense because even out of his own stuff he has also said a lot of interesting and useful stuff so um the whole council council everything is it means that yet another overreaction mm. so instead of canceling some people are actually building and adding more things to themselves case and point banks in nigeria there's been some mnas like access and diamond gt bank is now gt corporation gt co yeah and they've been like swallowing up investment one and other smaller um uh financial services and from outside looking in seeing all of the fintech uh activity happening especially in africa not just nigeria and you know the increased investment in that sector do you think this is a reaction by these banks to try and also if not get ahead of the game stay abreast with all these younger more agile innovations um so the risk of sound like an old man back in 2000 and <laughs> back in 2004 sometime between 2004 and 2008 there was a bank recapitalization thing right um and some of the bigger banks like gt uh came to the stock market raised new funding and recapitalized and became stronger some of the weaker banks had to merge or some of them had to get acquired by the bigger larger banks um and sometime after that a lot of banks were actually going into um non-banking non-core banking um lines of business uh there was a concern there that oh you could use it to do like wash trading or money laundering wash trading is basically when you buy your own thing in order to up the value uh or money laundering people just taking you know dirty money passing it through or instead of just keeping it in the bank we'll put it in what we call an investment company Mm -hmm. and then we'll bring it back out and tell you that it is the profit of your investment you know um, so I think those were some of the concerns to the best of my knowledge this is a far back ago and so um, CBN told the banks to um, spin off all their non-banking subsidiaries mm. so that was when investment one came out of um, GT and there was a bunch of other you know banks that had those issues one bank funny enough that didn't seem to spin off um, was uh, I think Stambic because they are like they still have the pension thing is in there the investment thing is in there you know and many of them now move to this holding company structure um so first bank stambic had been in that holding sub- company structure for a while gt just now changed to gt co and then the, and it seems like the next phase of this gt co holding company structure is yeah. to reacquire you know um, parts of investment one's business um so i don't know like i understand the concerns that made uh, CBN tell them not to to spin off their non-banking I don't know what it is that they're doing now that is making them to reabsorb you'll probably make like you know larger singular organizations um, but as regards what it now how it now affects the fintech what I think would happen would be that some of these larger corporations would either partner or own you know, acquire some of these fintechs. Because um, if you look at your banking app these days and you want to do a transfer and you have to select bank, you see that that list is very, very long. So you'll be seeing a lot of maybe like my finance banks or things like entities that are now registered as banks. 
So we're probably due for yet another, you know, consolidation of yeah. both banks and fintechs. Because um, you see a lot of fintechs doing similar things and whatnot. So we'll see how that goes. I'm curious to really see how it goes, especially with all the technology involved. GT Bank, for example, their app leaves a lot to be desired. It could be way better in terms of how it functions. Yeah. Um, I, I know a lot of Nigerian banks are trying and trying to improve the, the, the user experience. So when people open the app or they want to interact, they can see something more, not just attractive, but more usable in, and meets their specific needs, right? Which I know for a lot of people, young people, the current specific need is having access to their money whenever, wherever, and also not being stuck at a hundred dollar yeah. limit, you know, yeah. as a Nigerian. Like, you, you should have access to more than a hundred dollars uh, a month if you want to be able to do transactions. Basically, participate in what is increasingly a global economy. Um, what the government, on the government side, they're trying to do capital controls, they're trying to avoid capital flights. You know that if everybody has access to unlimited dollars, everybody's going to just want to, you know, basically spend and park money in dollars and you just devalue the naira further. Um, some people have the opinion that, you know, leave everything free float, let everything just for short-term pain, long-term gain. Mm. And some people are like, okay, maybe it's a good idea because you don't want this rapid shock to to the naira. Um, it's yet to be yet to be decided as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems like the capital controls are doing more harm than good, to be honest. Um, and for banks, they make such a large amount of money, especially from like higher income, higher net worth people, that their apps and the user experience of those apps don't seem to me like such a big priority. It's only like when something is broken or something is like really messed up that mm-hmm. you know they'll go in there and fix it. Um, GT Bank actually tries to launch a second app called GT World, um, and they, I don't know, like I don't use that app because I've been so used to using the original app, uh, so I just use that one, and that one basically meets my needs. Even though there's there's stuff to be desired um, on the user experience side. Let's see. Let's talk. Let's let's touch on one topic uh, quickly. I think it's still sticking to the same theme regarding you know startups and fundraising. Mm-hmm. I know you were sharing with me earlier about what's been happening in in the scene and how there's been a lot of investment in different startups. Yeah. So, um, you know, a bunch of like local startups have raised funding from um, foreign investors, probably even local investors, and. Um, whatnot and you're seeing all these like really high valuations you're seeing series a or pre-seeds even in entering millions of dollars tens of millions um but the thing is when when i zoom out uh and you see like especially fintech because fintech is like the popping thing now right everyone is doing fintech when you zoom out you see that there's a lot of similarity in things that fintechs are doing in fact like we could go deep into into that because if you zoom out even more, you see that there's like basically four things that people just want to do with money. Um, they want to keep it, they want to send and receive it, and they want to grow it or have, they want to grow it and they want to have it like, you know, hold on to its value. And so everything that every fintech is doing basically falls into one of those things. And then most fintechs are doing one, maybe primarily, and then two or three or all four. 
Um, and so you then start to see the similarities in what all the fintechs are doing. And then start, and when you see so many companies doing all the same thing, then the only way that can be successful, like the typical maybe pure water business, is when you have very large volume. But then on the volume side, it's like Niger- many of these products are targeting Nigeria's middle class, especially like young. There's a very tiny range of incomes that fall into people in the middle class, maybe like between 80k a month to mm. 80k a month with no dependents to maybe like 600k a month, you know, mm. with um, sufficient uh, disposable income left over. So the range of people that fit into that out of the entire Nigerian population is very small and is shrinking when you think of all the people that are jack buying. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. so so uh i think just like we had the consolidation of the banking industry back in between 04 and 08 mm-hmm. um we're probably going to have some sort of consolidation in fintechs in, in the coming future it's, it's a like personal prediction yeah uh, we'll see how that goes as well yeah i'm really curious and interested uh in the, in the start of seniors i think i need to pay more attention and and maybe chat with you more and Check out more websites like uh, TechCabal. Funny thing is, I don't even think I'm as, <laughs> even though I work in it, yeah. I don't even think I'm as into it, especially on the, on the like, um, organizational um, fundraising VC side. I'm more into it on the product side because that's like the core of what I do. So, yeah. um, I want to see what this product does yes. different from that product. Uh, how good is their UI? How good is their UX and all that? So, uh, yeah. No worries. I think this has been a good episode, a good show. Yeah. I don't know when next we're going to do this, but I'm seriously looking forward to it. Maybe the next one will be over the interwebs. Yeah, we need to try that and we need to make sure we have a stable connection and just like get this done. <laughs> All right. So that's it, you guys. Backyard Conversations featuring D Pencil Pusher. Thank you. And until next time, you guys have a good one. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.